You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Abby. And I'm Sarah. Today we're going to talk about one of our favorite things, secondhand wins. But first, let's catch up on life lately. What's new with you, Abby? I have to share that I have been riding the bus with my toddler. I love this. And I was inspired by our transportation episode, really by you, Sarah, to think about ways to not get in our car so much. As I've mentioned before, we have free buses. And so it just seems silly not to find somewhere to be able to take the bus. And Plum has been obsessed with watching the buses go by for a while. And so I sort of felt like it would blow her mind to actually get on the bus. (laughs) And it's amazing. It's a great way to kill a morning when you're home with a toddler. She's really into it. She just sits nicely. She says hi to all the people. She says hi to all the cars outside. It's just been really fun. And it's been great, too, to not have to strap her into the car and then find a parking spot and then walk all the way in, either carrying her or trying to keep her from running into the parking lot while we're there. Right. Then the transit becomes part of the experience. Absolutely. Have you had any negative bus experiences yet in terms of long waits or anything like that? No, we are not going at peak times for the bus, which I think helps. So it's not super crowded. There's always a seat. It has been a little bit hot, but Mm -hmm. that's just going to get better as we get more into fall. So I really can't complain. What's been happening with you, Sarah? We have been having some vacuum troubles. (laughs) (laughs) I was vacuuming at this point well over a month ago. When the vacuum started smoking and had the burning plastic smell. <laughs> oh, no. So I stopped vacuuming. And then, I don't know, maybe a week later, I decided to try the vacuum again as if it would have miraculously healed itself. <laughs> <laughs> Just let it have a cooling off period. That did not work. And there was more smoke and more burning plastic smell. Neil took it apart and looked at it and determined it needs a new part, but also that I may have damaged it by continuing to run it to the point where maybe that just fixing that part won't help oh no so there's that so he put the $15 part in our Amazon cart and I still haven't ordered it because we don't have Amazon Prime and I refuse to pay for shipping but I have nothing else that I need so (laughs) we've just been without a vacuum the problems of an underbuyer exactly So my mother-in-law was coming to visit this past week, and I thought, maybe we should actually vacuum before she comes, because it's been a while. (laughs) So we asked our neighbor if we could borrow their vacuum. And then I had vacuum envy, because she has a newer, fancier vacuum Mm -hmm. that is really easy to use, and taking it apart to do the edges is really simple. It was more lightweight than mine. It did corners better. So that made me think, oh, I need a new vacuum. But... I actually don't want to spend money on a new vacuum. So I've perused Craigslist some. I've thought about actually purchasing the part in my cart. But really, I just have not been vacuuming my floors. Uh, which is mostly fine because I mostly have hardwood. So mostly sweeping is plenty. does the job. Yeah, And I've also learned you can sweep your rugs off to get the big chunks to make it look clean. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> perfect. Good information to have. So before we get into our reading segment for the week, we have a really fun announcement. We are going to have a giveaway. Yay! We are approaching our one-year podcasting anniversary, and to celebrate, we wanted to gift an Instant Pot to one of our listeners. 
So longtime listeners know that we are huge fans of the Instant Pot. Probably in this first year of episodes, we have mentioned this appliance in more than half of the episodes. (laughs) And for those of you who don't know, maybe new to the show or tune us out when we mention the Instant Pot, it is an electronic pressure cooker. It's also a slow cooker, a yogurt maker. It can double as a rice cooker. It can saute within the insert, mm-hmm. which is different than a normal crock pot where you would have to, if you wanted to saute an onion or something, you would have to dirty another pan. And we both use ours all the time. So if you'd like to enter, you can go to our website and find the giveaway post. We are asking everyone who wants to enter to leave a comment with three things. Your favorite episode, a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, and a book and or recipe suggestion for us to try. We will keep the giveaway open until October 31st, at which point we will draw a random winner. So unfortunately, this giveaway is only open to U.S. listeners, but international friends don't lose heart. We will have future giveaways, and we hope to be able to include you in those. I think we're ready to talk about what we've been reading now. Abby, what book do you have for us this week? I actually have a series of books to talk about, which are the Chief Inspector Armand Gamache Mysteries. These are written by Louise Penny. And if you follow any readers on Instagram, people have been talking about these books a lot. Is that because a new one just released? Yeah, I think so. She's been releasing one a year, and I think the 13th book just came out. Okay. I'm in the middle of the fourth book. And the first three were focused on a small town in Canada called Three Pines, which I think is fictional. And in each of the first three books, there's a murder and the chief inspector comes down from Montreal to help solve the murders in the small town. Book four is a little bit different, not set in Three Pines, though it has some of the same characters. And so far, I have really loved them all. I really love the characters they're thoughtful and dimensional, and there are a lot of them, but you feel like you know all of them pretty well, and you sort of see more and more gets revealed book by book, which is pretty great. This is less common in other mystery series that I've read that you get to see so many recurring characters. It feels like normally you follow the main detective and maybe a couple people around them. Mm-hmm. And I love how the town plays such a role at least in the first three books. And the character of the town is almost like another player in the stories. And because these books are set in Canada, there's a lot of stuff about Canada that I did not know. Mm. Canadian listeners can tell us how accurate it really is. You know, obviously I have no idea. (laughs) But I like learning about things like the tension between the English and French. And I just had never really thought about that. So who would you recommend these books for? I think I would very highly recommend these books if you're into mysteries, and maybe even if you're not. I actually originally read the first book as part of a virtual book club, and after that, many of the folks in that book club kept reading them, even though that's not really a normal genre for many of the people in it. Mm. I think because they break the mold a little bit and are just really wonderful to read, lots of people, maybe even people who aren't into mysteries, would really enjoy them. Do you have to read them in order or is it one where you could pick up any book in the series? I think I would stick with reading them in order. 
there are threads that go through the books of plot that wouldn't necessarily make sense if you skipped around. Sarah, what have you been reading? I have been on a nonfiction self-help kick. (laughs) I've read three in a row. And my favorite of the three was Deep Work by Cal Newport. I heard about this book from Melissa of the Cohesive Home podcast. They had an episode back in the spring that was about quitting social media. And Melissa went off all social media for a while. And one of the inspirations for that was Cal Newport's TED Talk. And then I heard about it a few more times and decided to get it this fall. It reminded me a lot of Nicholas Carr's book, The Shallows. Did you ever read that? I didn't. If you're only going to read one, you should read The Shallows because that book is amazing. Both that book and this one made me want to find ways to reduce the amount of the shallow in my life, Mm. like limiting social media, and to carve out space to dive into deeper work like writing and creating. Mm -hmm. So he starts by defining deep work, which he says are professional activities performed in a state of distraction-free concentration that push your cognitive capacities to the limit. Mm. These efforts create new value, improve your skill, and are hard to replicate. And his argument is that that is so valuable now, especially as we live in this world of distraction, that Mm -hmm. people are losing the ability to do it. So if you are able to do deep work, you can go really far in your career. Hmm. And also that deep work is a skill you have to develop. And the idea that, oh, I'm distracted, but when I need to, I can just sit and focus for five hours and crank out a report. Mm-hmm. And the reality is that's not true. Yeah. That you may think it's true, but that it's a muscle that you have to build. And if you have not practiced focusing and tuning everything out, then you won't be able to. Oh, I totally believe that. Just thinking about when I started freelancing and needed to have solid blocks of concentration to understand science and be able to write about it well, Mm -hmm. I really had to work on that. Yes. And one thing I've really taken away from it is that he said you should schedule time to be distracted as opposed to scheduling time to be focused. Hmm. And that the idea is that most of the time you should be limiting these things Because that is how you develop that muscle and that you should plan, okay, I'm going to get on social media or do these, you know, email or these more shallow tasks Mm -hmm. in a specific time. And it's flipping the way of looking at it is not I'm going to resist social media for half an hour, but most of my life I want to live in this focused way. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to be really intentional about how I let the other things come in. Hmm. I really like that. Makes me think a lot about my life right now. I will say that the thing I did not like about it is that it felt very obvious to me that it was written by a man. Mm. And he talks a lot about how to balance work and family. He has a hard cutoff that he never works past 530. He doesn't work on the weekends, that he really limits work to working time and then at home is at home. But I kept thinking, when are the dishes getting done and the laundry Mm. and who's packing the school lunches? And... He was talking about how to balance quality work and quality family time, Mm -hmm. but not how to get all of the household management stuff done. Mm. And maybe this is not accurate, and he is very involved (laughs) in making sure all of that happens. I hope so. But I kept thinking, it seems to me that there's someone behind the scenes who is making all of that happen Mm -hmm. so that you can have these really clear lines and feel like you have this really full, balanced life. Mm. 
I have no idea what his home setup is like, but I kept thinking if a woman had written it, I think there would have been a more well-rounded perspective and that some of those issues would have been brought up. Mm -hmm. That is not to say that that kind of work should be a woman's work, but just that it often defaults to the woman and it is real work that takes up a lot of time and mental space. Mm -hmm. So would you recommend it, Sarah? I would recommend it. I got a lot of value from it and found it really interesting. But I also think I would have gotten just as much value from it if it was a long form essay. Right. I didn't feel like I needed to read all 250 pages to get what I got from it. Mm -hmm. So if you're interested in these ideas, you might want to just look up his TED Talk. And he also publishes articles. So you can probably find a shorter version of the writing elsewhere. (laughs) Yeah. Although it was a quick read, I just felt that it was fairly repetitive and could be easily skimmed or condensed. We talked briefly about secondhand wins in our 10th episode, where we each shared one of our favorite secondhand wins. But we love them so much that we felt they deserved their own episode. Let's start by defining what we think of as a secondhand win. So when I think about this, I had a question of, do hand-me-downs count? Or gifts count. Mm -hmm. And for the sake of this episode, at least, I think secondhand wins to me are more things that you yourself seek out. I agree. I also love the idea of something filling a specific need. I think that's part of it for me, too. Mm, Interesting. I had the same question about hand-me-downs, as there are a lot of those in our life both furniture and tons of baby stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think there is some element of having to seek it out Mm. or finding it yourself, that I feel like it's something that our family procures as opposed to something that someone else brings into us. Mm -hmm. I love used gifts and I love hand-me-downs, but to me, those aren't a secondhand win. Yeah. So what is it exactly that you love about secondhand wins? I mean, like I said, I find it so satisfying to find the exact right thing. And I love to research things to death, as I've mentioned before. And so once I found the brand and type or whatever of thing that I want, I love to see if I can get it for less money. Mm -hmm. When I succeed in that, it just is so satisfying to me. And I also like the sort of community element of buying something or getting something from the buy nothing group from someone who wants it out of their house yes, and how it feels like a win-win. And that goes the other direction too. Like Mm -hmm. when we've sold things or when we've given them away on the buy nothing group, I just love the idea that it's going to a home where it's going to be appreciated Yes, or when it's something that we found that it's that exact right thing that I wanted. And so here it comes and it's going to be perfect. And it feels a little different than just donating it to an organization because you really know that it's going to a home that is going to use it. Yeah. I mean, we do a lot of general donating of things as well, but there's that extra level of enjoyment that comes from the person-to-person transaction. Totally. I agree with everything you said besides researching things because I hate to do that. (laughs) (laughs) But it really hits all the right notes for me on frugality the lack of packaging. Mm -hmm. I get really frustrated getting a package from Amazon in a giant box with all the plastic Mm -hmm. for one thing that's also wrapped in plastic. And so it's so nice when you find something used and it's just the thing, just what you want. You don't even have to deal with all of that packaging. Someone just hands it right to you. Yes. And as we'll get into, we love to find things on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. And so... 
that is quite literally keeping it from going into the landfill because (laughs) otherwise it was just going to get picked up by a trash truck. (laughs) I love it all. We are devotees to sourcing things secondhand now, but let's talk about whether that has always been the case and how we got to where we are now. In my family growing up, my parents, on the regular, would see things on the side of the road and pull the car over and throw it in the back. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure I really came into it on my own fully until we moved here. And we had that big house, the second house we rented, and I wanted to get things like a bed for one of the bedrooms to have for guests. And we had a whole living area that wasn't furnished at all. So at that point, I think I really started looking for things secondhand. So my parents would pick up things off the side of the road, but we also shopped a lot. I think some of that is growing up in Dallas and my mom really enjoying shopping. And so that was something fun that we did together. So I think for a long time, my default was, let's just buy the new thing that we want. Mm -hmm. But I think I'm coming into the realization of the satisfaction that you get and the money saving has been huge. It's very motivating. It is. I think for me, it started in graduate school that I don't remember doing a lot of secondhand purchasing growing up Mm -hmm. or that my family did a lot of that. I also probably wasn't paying attention, but we were not a garage sailing family. Mm -hmm. That wasn't something that we did. In my first apartment, I had a lot of used things, but it was a lot of things gifted to me that Mm -hmm. we were all moving out after we graduated college and some people were getting rid of things. Oh, yes. They came to me. I had so much stuff that my parents were like, you are going to have to get rid of all that. So probably you had some of my stuff. (laughs) Yes. And things from my family that they didn't want. And it was my first apartment. So Mm -hmm. getting some furniture from them. So I don't remember anything in that apartment that I specifically sought out. Mm. It was all things that just came into my life. But when we moved to Oregon for grad school, we moved in my 92 Honda Accord. So everything Neil and I were moving (laughs) fit in that car along with us. And therefore, zero furniture came. (laughs) And we moved into an empty apartment, essentially. Being grad students, we were not interested in going shopping for new furniture. A new mattress is something we purchased and everything else we found secondhand. And Neil is the one who really took this on. He would look up the garage sales on Craigslist and go garage sailing every Saturday. Mm -hmm. And... It's not that I was opposed to it. I was just uninterested in doing it. I thought, great, you want to take that on? Please do. But the more I saw him coming back with these really great (laughs) items that we needed for 50 cents or $3, I was becoming more intrigued by the week. (laughs) And then that just continued with all of our moves. We've never really invested in furniture ourselves. And Mm -hmm. so every time we move, we just put it back up on Craigslist and sell it and then repeat the process again in a new place because anyone who's moved knows how expensive it is to rent a truck to drive across the country. Totally. And not just expensive, like a nightmare hassle. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And everything we owned was not worth anywhere close to the cost it would take to move it. Right. I have now started to default to let's find it secondhand. Mm -hmm. But he's the one who I'd be like, oh, we need this. We should buy X. And he'd say, well, have we looked at this and this and this or thought about this? Or Mm -hmm. could we use this instead? Or do we even need that item? 
that that is his personality. And as our marriage has continued, I have started moving in that direction as well. Let's talk logistics of both strategies we use and places we go to to find our secondhand wins. So definitely the first place to look is Craigslist. And I don't know what your experience has been, Sarah, but Craigslist has been a pretty vibrant marketplace in all the places that I've lived as an adult. Mine has been a little bit more varied. I found it to be amazing in Austin Mm -hmm. and slightly less so here in Bloomington. Yeah. So I've had really great luck here in the Triangle area. So when I look for something, that's usually the first place I go. Another sort of strategy related thing that you taught me that I think we've talked about before is Craigslist alerts. Craigslist alerts are great because you can just put in the search item that you're looking for. And whenever something comes up with that key phrase in it, you will get an email letting you know instantly. Yes. So it helps because especially if you're in a place where lots of people are looking at Craigslist regularly, it removes Mm -hmm. the pressure of needing to check it. And then when you get the email, you can be one of the first people to respond, which is key. Totally. Craigslist also ties in with garage sales, as Neil will regularly look at the garage sales posted on Craigslist Mm -hmm. on Saturday morning, and then we can plan out a few to stop by that are in the neighborhood. Yeah, I need to get better at doing that. I have had good success doing that the couple of times I've tried it, but I don't make it a regular thing. And I think... Mm -hmm. That would be a really fun Saturday morning thing to do with Plum is just put her in the stroller and make a loop. Yes. We have been not going to garage sales as often. I think part of that is we've been here long enough that we have most of the furniture and home (laughs) items that we need now. Yeah. And I don't have a huge list. There's a few clothing items for the kids that we're running out of our hand-me-down stash Mm. for HP. And so... We're getting to the point where we need to start finding some of his clothes ourselves. And we've had good luck with that. The thing about garage sales is it's so hit or miss that you can find the perfect garage sale, which I did last fall and found winter coats, raincoats, tons of shoes in all of the sizes, winter pants, sweaters, everything that we needed for $13. That's amazing. Which is great, but there's also so many garage sales you go to and there is nothing you want there or all the clothes are in the wrong size or it's priced too high. And with garage sales, you also have to be really comfortable negotiating. Mm. Well, Mm -hmm. or not. You can just pay what they say. It's still going to be cheaper than if you had bought it new. Exactly. But that is something I've grown more comfortable with over time. Neil's great at it. He's this really great poker face and brings change in his pocket. That's a tip. So he can say, oh, can I give you a dime if they're asking for a quarter or whatever it is? So he has this whole garage sailing persona. Yeah. And he's gone so much more than I have, too. So he really knows what is a reasonable price for things Mm -hmm. that I don't have quite as much of a sense of that where to him it's like oh no that should sell for 50 cents and they're (laughs) listing it for three dollars who do they think they are (laughs) which makes him a great garage sailing partner totally it's also really good to bundle items together and then ask for a discount for that you know Mm -hmm. would you take one dollar for all of these things and then group them together 
Neil says there are two kinds of garage sales, the ones that people are doing because they want to get rid of stuff and the ones people are doing because they're trying to make money. Mm. And it's really obvious when you walk up which one is which, because the ones where they're trying to make money, everything is overpriced. Mm -hmm. And the ones where they're just wanting to get rid of stuff, they'll take whatever you offer. They are just happy to see it moving away from their property yeah because it will help them to not have to put it in their car and take it to the thrift store or put it back in their house yes and then there's also two ways to go about it one is to try and be the first person there so you can see everything Mm -hmm. some of the really great items go really quickly but our strategy has generally been to go on the later end Mm -hmm. because then they're really just wanting to get rid of things so there's slightly less selection They will take a dime for their $3 (laughs) item. Yes, they will. So it depends on what you're going for. If you know you want something specific and you know they have it there, it might be worth it to get up. But generally, I have found it beneficial to go later in the morning or on into the afternoon. So when you guys are garage sailing, you know, on a Saturday morning, do you go with a list of things in mind that you're looking for and you do like a quick scan and say, oh, they don't have it. Bye. Yeah, I mean, part of the fun is to peruse, in my mm-hmm. opinion, to just look at what's out there. Yeah. But I'm really wary of bringing things into our house that we don't specifically need. Yeah. So right now I do have a list that is mostly with shoes and specific clothing items I know our kids need. Mm-hmm. But other times we'll come across things like a really nice winter coat a few sizes up. And it is worth it to me to store that mm-hmm. if it's a really good deal to get it now. Yeah. Same with winter boots. So I'm not always shopping off a list, but we're also can easily go around for a morning and come back empty handed Mm -hmm. and that's fine. Yeah. So another place I love to look for secondhand wins is Facebook. So I love the Facebook marketplace. I talked about that some on our social media episode and then also specific groups on Facebook. So I'm part of the Buy Nothing group in Chapel Hill and Carborough, which is a nationwide project that has sort of specific guidelines laid out about buy nothing. So the idea is to just give and receive things without money changing hands. Mm -hmm. I've found some great things on there and also been really glad to let things go through that venue. So as I said before, the Craigslist here does not seem to be as big of a thing as what I had experienced in Austin. Mm. But one thing that did seem to be big were these Facebook groups Mm -hmm. and that there was a Bloomington buy, sell, trade group and a Bloomington junk swap, which sounds similar to the buy nothing group. Mm -hmm. And it was actually one of the things that made me really hesitate to go off Facebook Mm. because it is a great way, especially to source kids things. But I still decided to go off Facebook. I did add Neil to those groups so that if I feel like I need to access them, that I could use his account to do so. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like we're in a great place with stuff that there aren't a ton of things I'm specifically seeking out. Mm -hmm. And I think it can become really addictive to start trying to see what's coming up all of the time. Yeah. The really good stuff and the good deals are really competitive that you do need to know right when it goes up because Mm -hmm. somebody comments right away and I don't want to have to be that connected to Facebook or to be getting constant alerts from Facebook about everything that gets posted in that group. Yeah. I don't know if this is recent, but with the Facebook marketplace and with some of the buy-sell trade groups, I think it depends how the settings are. Mm -hmm. You can set alerts. Hmm. 
okay. for keywords, just like you would with Craigslist. That might be more recent since I was looking at it, or I just may not have explored that particular feature when I was using it. Yeah, that has been really helpful. We have lived in a lot of university towns, and one thing that they offer are university supply stores. <laughs> I'm so intrigued by this. We've shopped at the Oregon State one. The Texas one was in my neighborhood where we owned our house. It was in walking distance, which very few things were in walking distance from that house, but this place was. That's amazing. Here in Bloomington, we have not checked it out, but there is one. So what it is, is old university furniture goes to this supply store. So when you walk in, it's a lot of giant desks, very <laughs> rows and rows of very large desks, lots of file cabinets, office chairs, bookshelves. That's mostly it. Mostly those things. <laughs> but it was great. Neil and I each got a desk and a solid wood, large desk that we could both use for grad school. And I think they were 20 or $25 each. That's Maybe awesome. even 15 It was amazing. Very heavy to carry the block from the OSU one upstairs to our apartment. Mm -hmm. Neil roped in an unsuspecting freshman from the <laughs> ultimate Frisbee team well. to help him. So thanks for that, friend. <laughs> so it's very specific, but it was a great place to find shelves and chairs and desks. So another thing that I have discovered pretty recently is the Nextdoor app where you can sign up with your neighborhood. The Nextdoor app around where we live seems to be pretty well read. And so I have had success both asking for specific things on there and selling things. I am part of the one here and get emails, but I have yet to try and sell anything through there. So that could be an interesting avenue to explore. I wanted those clear plastic gelato containers with the screw on top mm -hmm. to make toys oh, for yes. plum and we don't often eat that stuff so I just posted hey when you're done with these will you just put them on your porch and I'll come get them and people did nice I also occasionally shop at thrift stores I would say that I usually do this now if I need to buy clothes for myself mm -hmm. as that is often hard to come by at garage sales mm -hmm. to find somebody who has the same style and the same size as you mm -hmm. is a pretty rare find but our local Goodwill is really well stocked in terms of clothing, and it does take a while to sort through everything, but I've had a lot of luck going there when I need a few new things. Awesome. We also go there if we need specific things, or last year for Christmas, we went there and found large puzzles for the kids mm -hmm. and a couple board games. They're really well stocked in that. If anyone needs board games, they have board games aplenty there. Yeah, I've had good luck with toys in our local thrift stores, too. Mm -hmm. You know, the balls that have little nubs on them so that it's easy for small hands to pick up? Oh, yes. I found those in a local thrift store for like a quarter a piece or something. Well, that's a really good deal. I would say my one complaint about the thrift store is that it's not as cheap as at a garage sale. At a garage sale, I'd pay 50 cents for a top or 25 cents for a top. And there I'm going to pay three to five dollars, yeah. which is still cheap. But it's not the amazing feeling I get when I find the right thing at a garage sale. Another thrift store-like place that we use is the ReStore. Mm -hmm. And we started using this in Austin, I believe. And they have a ton of home supply things. Yeah. 
They have furniture. The one here, we've gotten all our dining room chairs from the wreath store here and curtain rods. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think what else. The one in Nashville, well, there were actually two in Nashville. One was more furnishings like you're talking about. And then there was one that was more the building type mm-hmm. supplies. And we got doors there. Yes. Which was awesome. And they also, you know, because people would tear down old houses in Nashville and then take the windows and doors to the restore. These beautiful old wavy glass windows Mm -hmm. were there Mm -hmm. and sometimes stained glass. It was awesome. Yeah. It's a great first stop if you're doing any home improvement projects. So the last strategy that I wanted to talk about, which is not a secondhand win quite like what we've been talking about, but it's something that I want to make sure that people know about. So if you're shopping on Amazon because you've exhausted all your secondhand possibilities, (laughs) very often things will be on what's called Amazon warehouse deals, which is if you look at the price on the right and then you scroll down in small letters is a thing that says used and new available from some price. And very often If you need something, you can find it that someone has returned. Mm. And so it's marked way down. For instance, a toilet seat that you need that's a specific length and color (laughs) that might be hard to find in your restore or in your thrift store. Is this a random example or from personal experience? I have had personal experience trying (laughs) to find round bone colored toilet seats for our house in Nashville. When we moved in, they had white toilet seats on bone-colored toilets, Hmm. and it never matched. So when we were selling, I was like, okay, we want to do this. Mm -hmm. But I didn't want to necessarily go and just buy them from Home Depot. So I looked, and I got a warehouse deal, and there are different levels. So some things might have been returned because they had scratches, or some things might have been returned because someone ordered the wrong toilet seat. Right. And so we were able to get like-new toilet seats for less of the price. Doesn't have the same bonuses as not having the packaging and the sort of personal interactions. But it's a nice way that if you really need a very specific thing on Amazon to find it for less. It's a great resource. So my last one is basically finding things on the side of the road or in a dumpster, (laughs) which we have had a surprising amount of success with. I think part of that is we have lived in so many college towns and college students just get rid of stuff. Mm -hmm. Really, really nice things that they just don't care about. And we lived in a student complex in Austin. So the dumpster there was always rife with amazing things Mm -hmm. right around the time that students were moving out. Yeah. And same with just along the sides of the road in the neighborhood that we lived in. People would just set things out with a little free sign Mm -hmm. for people to come and peruse. Yeah, that happens here a lot too. And since moving here, they have neighborhood cleanups where you can bring things like scrap metal and tires, but they also have a place where people can just come bring the things that they would be throwing away, larger Mm -hmm. items, and lots of small ones too. And you can go and look through it and find some amazing treasures and give them a new home. And Neil in particular really enjoys this and enjoys finding ways to cart all of it home without a car. (laughs) It's a fun challenge. Yes. I think that wraps up our discussion of the specifics of how we go about finding our secondhand wins. 
But let's end by talking about some of our favorite secondhand wins over the years. So one of my perfect things is Plum's bed, which is a travel crib that she sleeps in all the time. I found it on Craigslist because I had an alert and I love it. One of mine is the dresser that Neil uses, and it is probably the nicest piece of furniture that we own. (laughs) And we pulled it out of the dumpster in Austin after students left. Why would you put it in the dumpster? Right? (laughs) It is really heavy. Why would you do that? Why would you not set it next to the dumpster? (laughs) Because someone's going to come by and get it. So there is one small scratch on the side, I'm sure, from someone putting it in the dumpster. But it's really nice, solid, dark wood and has just been really useful and is one of the few things that made the cut when we moved from Austin to Bloomington. The next one of mine is a recent one, which is a cabinet that we found at a little antique store here in Carborough. It probably originally was a kitchen cabinet on someone's wall, and we got it for $10, and Andrew painted it yellow, and now it sits on our kitchen counter to provide more space. Another one of mine is our current couch, which couches can sometimes be hard to find used. Mm. I have a cat allergy and Mm -hmm. generally don't want something from a pet home, as I think it is hard to find something that does not have a pet aroma to it mm-hmm. after it has been in a home with pets. We have gotten several couches used, including some of unknown origin outside our apartment complex. <laughs> but there is still something a little questionable about it. And it feels like a bit more of a risk, I yeah. guess, whenever you're getting something used. But when we moved here, we didn't have a couch. And so I'm scouring Craigslist right when we move. And we had a friend's suburban that we drove from Austin to here. And then her sister was going to take it and use it in Chicago. Mm. So like we were helping transport it up to here and it helped us because it could tow our U-Haul trailer behind it. Mm -hmm. So we had this SUV for just one or two days after we moved in. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to get all the big pieces of furniture then. Yeah. So our options were fairly limited, but this couch came up and it is so comfortable and just the right size. And it feels really serendipitous that it was up for sale at just the moment when we had the right thing. Because I have since been looking for a couch for our back room Mm -hmm. and just have not had any luck finding anything reasonably priced that seems like it's in good condition. My next one is also a piece of seating furniture, which is the recliner that I got for Plum's room before she was born. And I wanted just a lazy boy recliner. I wanted to be able to nurse in it. I wanted it to recline if I needed to sleep in it. And there was this mega estate sale close to our house. And I went on Saturday and found this recliner. It was in great shape. The person who had lived there didn't seem to have been a smoker. There wasn't too much of a scent to it, which is something you worry about, like you said. Mm -hmm. But it was $100. And I felt questionable about that. And there was no way we could have gotten it because our car was too small. So I talked to them and they said, well, if you want to come back tomorrow, it'll be 50% off if it's still here. Mm. And it's possible that we could deliver it for you. So I went back. It was still there. I bought it and they dropped it off at my house. Perfect. Then I just resold it for $60 (laughs) and the person came and picked it up. 
So I never transported it, used it happily for a year with my baby, and made $10. That is a win. My next one is a $2 sewing machine Neil found at a garage sale. And we looked up at one point what year it was from. I think it was from the 60s. But it's just this really solid thing. Neil's mom showed him how to use it. And he has now become the official mender and tailor of the family. (laughs) And he tailors some of his own clothes, mends his clothes and the kids' clothes, and has done many a craft project and gift for family and friends on the sewing machine. Yes, we have been the beneficiaries of such a gift, one of your homemade books. Oh, yeah. So it's great because it was cheap and I don't have to use it. My last secondhand win is the walking toy that we got for Plum. And I posted on Buy Nothing Chapel Hill asking for a baby walking toy. And someone responded that she had one she would love to give us. It was just sitting on her covered porch. And it was this beautiful wooden Melissa and Doug mm-hmm. thing. And I would have been happy with plastic, but this was like heirloom quality. And friends of ours are using it right now. And I am very excited to potentially use it with future children or to re-buy nothing it. My last one is a really simple one, which is a button-down shirt of Neil's. Almost all of his work shirts are from garage sales because button-down work shirts are a dime a dozen at garage sales. (laughs) Literally. Especially (laughs) if you're Neil, master negotiator. But this one is a really thin material and it's a white color with gray stripes on it. And it's not one that he wears to work. It's one that he just wears in the summer to keep himself protected from the sun. Mm. And it's so good for that purpose that I like to steal it whenever possible Mm -hmm. and use it for myself because it's really hard to find one that's so thin but also light colored. I have a really thin one, but it's dark colored, which isn't as great for the summer. I was asking Neil what some of our favorite secondhand wins are in preparation for this episode. Mm -hmm. And he reminded me about this shirt because... Apparently, I told him that if he died, this is the one thing of his that I would keep (laughs) and everything else you would get rid of. (laughs) I would donate the rest. Oh, my gosh. And I thought, hmm, I guess that qualifies as one of my favorite secondhand wins then. Obviously, I hope that it remains his for a while to come. I think that wraps up our discussion on secondhand wins. We would love to hear what your favorite places are to find secondhand wins and share any amazing finds you have with us because we love to talk about how amazing they are. We're going to end by talking about what we've been eating. I recently attended a potluck and I didn't think I was actually going to be able to go to this potluck because I had other plans, but Mm -hmm. then things shifted and at the last minute we were able to. And we didn't have much food in our house, but we did have a ton of apples, some of which were maybe not in perfect condition. Mm -hmm. And I decided to make an apple tart. So consulted Google, found a recipe, and made one, and it was delicious. It was a little time-consuming because you have to make the pastry first, Mm -hmm. slice all the apples, you kind of lay them out in this nice formation. Mm -hmm. And this one had the extra step of you peel the apples, but then you boil the peels with sugar and water to create the syrup that you then drizzle on it. Mm. And I found that to be unnecessary. Yeah. It seemed like it almost made it too watery and soggy Mm. and then took up all this time. I could see that. In the future, I would just do the pastry, the apples, putting the sugar and butter on it without sprinkling the syrup that you have to make on it. Do you season it with anything like... 
spices or this one didn't i think it was just salt sugar apples butter flour it was really simple nice and it was a hit at the potluck i feel like it was a success good so what we've been eating is bok choy chopped salad and this came about because we joined a csa and my hope in joining the csa was to get more vegetables in our lives which it did Mm -hmm. instantaneously (laughs) a whole basket full (laughs) yeah But it was also a little tricky because you get vegetables that you don't typically cook. Right. Bok choy is one that I've cooked before, sautéed with garlic and maybe a little soy sauce. And it's fine, but it's not my favorite because of how the stalk stays really firm and the leaf gets really wilted when you do that. It's not my favorite either. I'm with you. So I looked for a salad because I thought, oh, this will be better if it's just raw. And I found an awesome chopped salad that was just broccoli, carrots, bok choy, and then a miso mayonnaise dressing. So it had this like yummy umami flavor to it. And I highly recommend it. It sounds really good. I have definitely had to put bok choy in the compost before when I have not found something to do with it after I've gotten it with the CSA. Yeah, this will be our go-to because sometimes salads that are dressed don't hold up well as leftovers. Mm-hmm. And this is still good. Mm. I'm still eating it. I will keep it in mind. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Sarah, and with all of you listeners. Don't forget to enter our Instant Pot giveaway by going to our website and leaving us a comment on the giveaway post. You can find us at friendlierpodcast.com, on Instagram at friendlierpodcast, or email us friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed the show, we would so love if you would tell a friend about it. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. And this came on, uh, this book came onto my radar. Is that how you say that? Came onto my radar? Is on my radar? Was on Um, my radar? I have no idea. Okay, I'll say something else. (laughs) 